Hey everybody, quick note before we start this episode. Robert and I talk quite a bit about financial stuff on this episode. Everything we're sharing is our own personal thoughts and should not be taken as investment advice. It's included in here purely for your entertainment. Let's get into it. Hey, this is The Variety Show with Michael and Robert. I'm Michael. And I'm Robert. Hey, Robert. Good to talk to you again. It feels like it's been exactly two weeks. (laughs) Yes, exactly two weeks. Wow, how the time flies. And I think we have a pretty awesome episode. I'm just going to dive right into it, unless you want to say anything else. That's pretty prescient of you, considering we haven't recorded it yet. What, What is the episode? Tell me. The episode revolves around this question, and I think a lot of people might have seen it in the news. Something called NFTs, or non-fungible tokens. And a little bit of background. When I first heard about this, it was in the context of someone had bought a virtual reality house, which they cannot actually physically go to for millions of dollars, or the equivalent of millions of dollars. And that got me started, what the heck are NFTs? Yeah. How about you, Michael? I'm trying to think about the first time I heard about it. I think it was probably in the context of like pictures of cats that people were selling <laughs> online. But the thing, I, like when we were digging into the research for this episode, you know, I knew NFT stood for non fungible token. But the thing that I was surprised to find is that, you know, I, I really thought that just meant that it was something that was like non tangible that you can't touch or feel something that's digital. And it is that, but that's not actually what it means. Yeah. And we both did a ton of research. I know, Michael, you did. And I, I came across quite a few good YouTube videos explaining what NFTs are and some of the underlying technology. And if anyone's interested, they are linked below. But we're going to dive right into it on where our investigation took us. Yeah, Robert. So I talked about you know, my, my perception of NFTs was something that's just digital that people can buy. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on like why that's not quite exactly what it means? Yeah, it's so a non-fungible token. If you want to delve into it, the root of it is this idea this technology called blockchain. And I'm sure some people have heard of it. But essentially, a blockchain is a trustless way of storing information. When you say trustless, what do you mean? Blockchain is a distributed way of storing information. And it's encrypted essentially what it is. It's an encrypted way of storing information and allowing people without having to consult a large organization to trust that the information is valid and not tampered with. I would take that a step further. Like my understanding is it's, it's basically like in the context of like Bitcoin, for example, which is the, the granddaddy of them all. It's like, it's this ledger that's not only a record of everything every transaction that's ever happened it's something that's public that like if you wanted to you could go on to the blockchain you could see every single transaction that's ever taken place and it, what's 
kind of crazy to me. Like you talked about it being decentralized. It like it doesn't depend on a bank in the context of Bitcoin. It's like, well, that's awesome because you're not going to have like an overlord who can dictate which way it goes and which way it, it doesn't go. What's amazing to me is like how it's possible to have something that's completely decentralized when there's obviously people all over the planet who are not like in constant communication with each other. It's tamper proof in essence, the way that they set a blockchain. Isn't that something that we all could rely on a little bit in society of knowing that the information we're getting from something, whether it be transactions, whether it be chain of custody, whether that be contracts that we sign is completely tamper proof. And we don't have to rely on an institution to tell us that this is correct. I think for me, that's the interesting concept about blockchain and its subsequent applications in Bitcoin and NFTs and cryptocurrencies. Yeah, there's there's really a lot that's remarkable remarkable about it. The thing that like the decentralized nature stuck out to me, the fact that there's a public ledger everywhere. It's like if you had a list of every cash transaction that's ever happened. Um, I was also particularly interested in some of the other blockchains that are out there other than Bitcoin. And maybe I'll just put a pin in that for now because I imagine we'll get to them later. The the con- There are like so many concepts bouncing around in there that were interesting to me, like blocks, blockchain, miners, block rewards, havening, and proof of work versus like proof of stake. And the thing that's so awesome about it is that if I'm going to use Bitcoin, I don't have to know any of that. (laughs) That's true. That's true. If if you use Bitcoin or if you buy NFTs, it's really obfuscated. It's the blockchain is that little nitty-gritty details that you don't have to really know about. You just have to know that this is a really great way of trusting information. So... When I was doing my research and I was looking, you know, because I guess tying this back to NFTs, because NFTs are basically something that's digital that has a little bit of metadata associated with it. And so, like, the object itself doesn't live on the blockchain, but that metadata does. So, like, if I bought Jack Dorsey's first tweet, which I think sold for, like, $3 million, I own that tweet. And the proof of me owning it is that metadata that lives on a blockchain somewhere. And the thing about that blockchain is that so that particular functionality is actually not on the Bitcoin blockchain. It's on the Ethereum blockchain most commonly, not exclusively anymore. But I was looking at the technology difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum and Ethereum is a blockchain, but it's more focused on like contract functionality. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest. So if you can think of Bitcoin is almost just cash transactions. Well, I guess it's not cash, but just transactions, financial transactions, you can think of it. And Ethereum was created to do just any type of contract, any type of transaction that you might have. So for instance, if you wanted to track the ownership of a non-fungible token, which is 
metadata in this sense. It's data about the piece of artwork. You can do that via Ethereum uh, and contracts. You could also use Ethereum for things like you know, buying and selling property is one of the one of the examples. And did you run across that, Michael, in, in the research that you'd done? Yeah, honestly, I was like, if I want to create an NFT, like, what does it have to be like? At first, I was like, okay, it's probably got to be like piece of artwork. But like you're saying, it can be your house. It's almost like if I wanted to buy Robert Dong's Facebook page <laughs> as an NFT, I could do that. And yeah. yeah. And that's so weird. Like the thing, uh, I, I I didn't, three, two, one. I didn't really understand like what the value is that you're buying, right? Because when you buy something as an NFT, you own the rights to the original or to whichever version you're buying. Because I think technically you can buy a duplicate if you want, but generally people buy the original but you don't own the copyright rights. You don't own the rights to replication. You don't own any of that. So essentially all you own is the bragging rights over this digital thing. Yeah. And that's where I think just like anything in this world, it's what value we attribute to it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because as a service, ever... it doesn't seem like it would be worth three million dollars to mint a non to buy a non-fungible token or an nft of the first tweet ever but it's because we as a society have speculated that it will be worth something in the future yeah i was thinking about it from like a risk perspective and i don't think it i don't think there's any harm in like me like for instance if i was a creator I guess you could call me a creator because I've got the blog or whatever, but I don't feel like one yet. If I wanted to, I could create NFTs and that could be like a way for people to support me rather than having like a Patreon or something like that. I could just sell NFTs of different things for like a dollar here, five dollars there, whatever. Yeah. But, and you know, that that's essentially no risk to me. And it's not really like, it's not a speculative investment or whatever by the other person. So it's not really a risk to them, but like, if I was interested in buying and trading these things, like that would be so risky with like almost no conceivable upside to me. I would think I got to ask, have you, do you have any NFTs? Have you thought about buying any or creating any? I've not thought about buying any. I actually, someone made one of me. What? Of my face. Yeah. They took a picture of it. It's on OpenSea.io. And we're just, I'm in Toastmasters and we're just messing around. And I was talking about blockchain and someone decided to take a screenshot and put my name and mint an NFT of this screenshot. <laughs> How long did it take? Was it like, boom, done? Or did, it, did he have to like, he or she have to go home and like figure it out? No, it was, it was done within two minutes. It okay, was so take the screenshot, make it, and then through OpenSea, I don't know if you found this in your investigation, but OpenSea.io is just one of these many platforms that you can mint 
a piece of artwork and then mint an NFT based off that. And when they say minting, that essentially means taking that metadata, creating that blockchain and attributing it to that piece of artwork. I did notice there's a lot of exchanges out there. I didn't look too much at the different ones. I, I looked at Loot Project, for example, which is one that that people use to create like RPG style loot that you might find in a game. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it like if TikTok is over my head at this point, that was like so far over my head. It made me feel extremely old because I did not understand it at all. But I've slept since then. So if I looked at it again, I would imagine it would make more sense. But I don't know if this is possible. You tell me. I definitely want to link to that in the episode. I want to see it your face <laughs> but uh if if it is possible we're gonna link to that you guys can buy it <laughs> if you wanted to <laughs> that is so cool have so other than nfts have you dabbled at all in crypto the only extent i had was throwing a little bit of money on coinbase just kind of interested i wanted to dip my fingers into it and it seemed pretty straightforward. I just used Coinbase, but I don't know necessarily if that means I own the cryptocurrency that I bought, supposedly, because it seems like it didn't take that long for me to have that, quote unquote, buy that asset. Could you put it into a wallet if you wanted to? I don't know. Yeah, so I've messed around with it a, little, a smidge too primarily on Robinhood, and Robinhood doesn't have the concept of a wallet. Like, you can't take the coins out. So literally all you can do is buy it, wait for the value to change, and then sell it. So it's purely a speculative investment. And the the coins I've dabbled in, again, you know, not definitely not an expert, but I've dabbled with Ethereum, with Bitcoin, with Litecoin, and with Dogecoin. <laughs> <laughs> It's really interesting to me, all the different coins that are out there. So like when you're on Coinbase and you're messing around with it, is it purely Ethereum and Bitcoin? Is it even that? Like which ones have you dabbled in? I, I just looked at Ethereum. I mean, I've okay. seen I've seen them go up and down and things like that. But it's almost as if you're just trading currency. It's like a currency exchange, but you don't actually own it because I, as far as I know, you don't have a wallet where you you actually have a private key that links to and this is getting a little bit into the weeds but in order to have quote unquote a bitcoin right you have a private key and that's and that hashes to a public key and that ends up on the bitcoin chain or the blockchain there's an atm at the gas station right around the corner which is actually a bitcoin atm if i'm you like I didn't look into this at all, but if I'm using it, like, do I have to know the private key associated with my wallet, or do I have a card? Like, you know, I don't. I've never actually messed with those. It seems kind of silly that you'd use an ATM to withdraw Bitcoin. So I think it's mostly for the memes, especially since Bitcoin right now is fifty-eight or fifty-nine thousand dollars per Bitcoin. Although I expect. Most people, like if Bitcoin ever becomes a thing, people probably won't exchange Bitcoin. They'll probably exchange Satoshis, which are a small fraction. I mean, that would make sense, right? Because Bitcoin's capped at 21 million, I think is the maximum. I don't know how many are in circulation right now. Yeah, it's a limited resource. But that's why I don't think that 
you know, when I'm on Coinbase, I don't actually think that I own that. <laughs> because it seems like the way that it does is, is, okay, to create new Bitcoin, you have to quote unquote mine or create a proof of work. And that adds to the large pool of Bitcoin. Right. Right. And then that Bitcoin then gets distributed and traded amongst different people with different wallets. But there's only a set amount of Bitcoin that's in circulation. This is the interesting thing. Each transaction that you have on a Bitcoin takes time to add to the ledger. You can't just, with my bank, I can transfer money and it'll be there maybe within a day. Or I can transfer it to you via Venmo and that instantly pops up. But mm-hmm. you can't do that with Bitcoin because it takes a while to create a new block to record that transaction. And then that has to be distributed to all these other ledgers. Yeah, when I was looking into it, I was trying to understand how like miners make their money, Bitcoin miners. And that's when I came across like Bitcoin, uh, what's it called? Uh, mining reward or the block reward and the happening. And since the like the happening is every every 210,000 blocks, the block reward cuts in half. So, yeah basically the more processing you do to get your proof of work or whatever the less reward you're going to get as a miner so like what people are doing because it still takes quite a bit of processing power to get that proof of work is they're they're adding those transaction fees and they can vary wildly it's my understanding yeah because the incentive of a miner to create a new block with your transaction is computing power like you said and so if I want my transaction to get in, then I need to add something to incentivize miners to compute that. Otherwise, it just won't ever get into a chain because we're relying on people doing computation and work to basically set the transaction in stone. Right, right, right. Did you look at all, so tangent a little bit, did you look at all into like the energy that's used for mining and like, some of the controversy related to that i've heard about it i didn't do that much investigation have you heard of the term so you've heard of proof of work because we've mentioned that have you heard of proof of stake i have not heard of proof of stake what is that so basically proof of work means that the work has to be done in order to make the blocks build the blockchain all that stuff so bitcoin is very much proof of work Ethereum 1.0 is also proof of work. The downside supposedly to that is if you're creating more and more and more and you're mining more and more and more, which people are incentivized to do, there's like so much energy lost and heat output as a result of that, that people are like, based people are like, oh man, we're using more electricity. Therefore, you know, like we're ruining the environment faster or whatever. I don't know the, all the particulars. So what they're looking into doing is they're looking in like Ethereum is, I don't know if they're taking the charge, but it's a good example of this. They're, they're looking into moving from Ethereum 1.0 to Ethereum 2.0, which moves from proof of work to proof of stake and actually removes that dependency on the energy that's happening to make it happen. How does it do that? So just as a tangent, when you said proof of stake, I was just thinking of stake, not as S-T-A-K-E, but S-T-E-A-K. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I'm really hungry, but proof of stake. We're going 
we're going to include that in the podcast. <laughs> okay, so proof of stake, just looked it up, is not, doesn't have anything to do with cows. Sorry, Robert. Um, oh, man. Although it did make me hungry, too. According to this website, just some random website I pulled up, proof of stake is the, the concept of proof of stake, POS, states that a person can mine or validate block transactions according to how many coins they hold. This means that the more coins owned by a miner, the more mining power they have. Huh. Well, yeah, that's something for us to look into, and we'll get back to you guys. All yeah, we don't profess to having all the answers. And I mean, one thing about NFTs, cryptocurrency, blockchain, and the underlying technology, which is blockchain, I think a lot of people are still trying to wrap their head around it. You know, that there is this, there is something out there that can be used in currency, be used as currency, be used in you know, tra- buying and selling homes and real estate that does not have to go through some centralized or controlling entity. Yes. And something that, in essence, is sort of tamper-proof. But anyways, okay, I'm going to bring it back in. Tell me a little bit about why the hell you picked this EVE Online financing article. Because I didn't know anything about EVE Online. It sounds like it's a huge thing. And honestly, it doesn't seem to be clearly related to any of this crypto stuff. But it must be. Otherwise, you wouldn't have picked it. Yes. So I picked this article in relation particularly to NFTs because... EVE Online, for those of you who do not know, and I'm informing you, Michael, as well, it's this, it's this online game where it has taken a character of its own. It's basically become a second virtual economy. And it deals with spaceships, and there are tons of players. Players are organized into corporations, and they have an in-game currency that they spend real money to buy the in-game currency. And then they use that money to build ships, to have entities within the game. Well, the reason I brought this up is because one of the cases to be made about NFTs is if you go to a virtual world, you have a virtual environment, for example, EVE Online. It's not too far-fetched to start saying, hey, this is mine, right? This ship I built and it is mine. And how do you show that it is mine? Is I have an NFT for it. I mint an NFT for this virtual entity or this virtual item and that shows it's mine. And I can prove it because, well, it's on the it's it's on the chain of command, right? So, are so, those NFTs still typically on like a the Ethereum blockchain? I mean, it could be on anything. It could be on any type of blockchain. But I'm just I, I brought this article up because that to me is a great use case for NFTs. When people say, "Oh, you know." NFTs, like how can you, what's the value of something that's virtual? And I think you mentioned this a little bit early in the episode, Michael, when you talked about how 
they're minting NFTs for in-game items, right? Mm-hmm. And if you are immersed in an in an online virtual environment, that's how you would do proof of purchase, basically. It's kind of like having a title or a deed to a home. And so basically, theoretically, there's no reason a deed to a home couldn't be on a blockchain. So this is like the bleeding edge in terms of stuff that could exist on the blockchain. And it's really fringe yeah. stuff that the mainstream doesn't mind or care about. But people who use the technology are all about it. And like, who knows, maybe in the future, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there's no reason like my car title couldn't be on a blockchain eventually, right? Instead of just yeah. a piece of paper that's in my glove compartment. Well, actually, exactly. that doesn't make it. It is definitely not in my glove compartment. <laughs> I would hope not. I would yes. hope not. <laughs> Obviously, it's something I don't I don't think about that often, but it, it wouldn't like burn down, for example. Yeah, like if my house burns down, I'm not going to lose it. Yeah, I and this is this is the interesting thing as more and more of our lives move online, right? How do we maintain this sense of ownership of items that we buy or we purchase? We do that easily in in person, right? We have a piece of paper that says this is mine. So when I bought the house. Or I bought the house that I'm currently in. I had to go through a title company. It's a centralized, organized place, and I had to do all the transactions to get the deed and ownership attributed to me and this house attributed to me through this deed, this title company. But you can think of NFTs as removing the title company entirely. So I could, with pretty good trust in the system if it was nfts i could sell my house to you directly without having to go through a title company does that make sense like for sale by owner kind of like yeah it would be it would be a peer-to-peer sale you wouldn't have to go through a title company who would validate that yes this chain of ownership is correct because you would have a blockchain that told you what the chain of ownership is and whether they had still had debt on it. I mean, that's the other thing about Ethereum and contracts is you could program in a bunch of rules into it. Saying, hey, don't sell this house if there's a ton of debt or if there is debt on the house, how do you distribute that? <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you, the purchase price that I purchased from you goes to any of your debtors that's on that house. But okay, that's kind of the that's that's the real estate application. Um, for physical assets. So, question: Do so, like, do I have to have a blockchain for every separate category, or can like car titles, NFTs? Ethereum, like all these different things live on one blockchain. I mean, you could throw them into one blockchain, right? A block, all the blockchain is, it's just, it's a way to track information because you use that information to create the hash key that then gets thrown and used to create the subsequent hash key for the different block. So you could put any type of information in there. But I don't think that's best practice because, and this is, 
I'm going to caveat this. This is from my understanding of blockchain. So if, if there's any listeners out there that are saying, hey, this isn't right, please leave, a, leave us a message and please inform us a little bit more. But this is what my, from my understanding. Okay, back to the point. The point is that the blockchain can hold any type of information you want. It's just a way of stamping it, basically writing it in stone and making it tamper-proof. Okay. I, I know we didn't want to get too technical, but in terms of like making it tamper-proof, I'm going to tell you what I, my understanding is, and then you tell me if, if you think I'm right. Again, you know, this is all based on our understanding, so we reserve the right to be wrong. Okay, so <laughs> when I was looking at it, like blocks and blockchain, so like blockchain is just a chain of blocks and blocks are created by, they're basically a, a set of data that is converted into a hash key and that hash key is the same length no matter what the data is. So, and that they're chained together because you have a, you have the previous hash indicated on the current hash. And if you change the data, the hash changes. So that's how you know that nothing is changing in the blockchain. Because if you go like 10 blocks ago and you change the data, it's going to change the hash, which will break the chain. So that they, mm -hmm. that's how the, the chain maintains its integrity. And so am I good so far? Yeah, no, that's good. Okay. okay. And then the next thing was like, you were talking about how it can be any, any data stored in the block. And what I, what I took away from that was like, the data, it doesn't matter how long the data is. The example the guy used in the video was like, it could be a tweet, it could be nothing, or it could be the Library of Congress. No matter what it is, the key, or not the key, the hash that's generated is always going to be exactly the same length. And that really stretched my brain a little bit. I mean, he talked about how essentially there's like what, two to the 256 power possibilities so i guess it makes sense mm -hmm. but I, I guess bringing it back to what we were talking about that's what you mean when you say anything could be stored in there right like you could yeah. store the source text of like game of thrones in a single <laughs> block if you wanted to <laughs> yeah you could yeah <laughs> uh, yeah you you could definitely do that so um, to your point, you can store all the all the deeds, all the transactions for a real estate transaction. You can store, you know, what I ate for breakfast on the same exact block. Now, would you want to do that? Probably not, just because you want to have separation of concerns. So I would want to have just a blockchain for real estate transaction, or I would just want to have a blockchain for what I have for breakfast. I don't know. Something like that, right? Can I buy the blockchain uh, or the block, the right to what you had for breakfast for today? <laughs> Tell me what sure. I'm buying. What am I buying? What did you have for you're breakfast buying, today? You're buying steel cut oats with blueberries, chia seeds, and honey with a sprinkling of walnuts. Are you storing all those together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that, 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 those would all be together it would be the recipe 
Gotcha, 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 gotcha. If you bought, just for the record, if you bought my breakfast, you'd get nothing because I don't eat breakfast. Sucker. <laughs> you don't um, eat breakfast? You do? No, no, not generally. No. Not generally. Let's see. Yeah. Let's let's rain it back in. Let's rain it back in. Let's rain <laughs> it back in. Okay, time. that's my bad. Uh, so I, I bid nothing. I bid a quarter or whatever for your breakfast. If we were, okay, so, okay, let's zoom out. Big picture again. We started by asking, what are NFTs? Are these things that are out there all over Twitter in the hype universe right now? Like, do you feel like you better understand them after this conversation? Yes. I didn't know what proof of stake was. So that, that is something that is interesting to me. And I think I'm going to go back after this episode and research it. So for me, I didn't know what any of this stuff was. <laughs> I think I think it's clear that you definitely knew more than me coming into this. And I did, I did what research I could, but it definitely stretched my brain. And like, I feel better for having talked about it and learned about it a little bit because it seems like this is the way things are going. It certainly seems like Bitcoin's taken hold and it's not going to go anywhere. The government's and the United States government's starting to regulate it. So I guess that's proof of its legitimacy or whatever. <laughs> and I, so Bitcoin's the biggest by market cap, Ethereum second, and then there's all these other ones that are out there. I'm curious to see like if NFTs really like if they make a claim on society in the same way, it seems like they will because they're, I don't think they're mainstream yet. Although they're talked about a lot out there, particularly on like tech blogs, but like I think Disney started to mint NFTs and if Disney's doing it, it's only like a couple of weeks before my grandma started doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll drive down the cool factor. I'm sure. Yeah, I think it will. It'll I think it'll go mainstream, but not. I don't think everyone will be rushing out to buy NFTs. I'll just put it that way. I think that the future of NFTs will really hinge on how immersed we become in the virtual world and our virtual reality and how completely lost my train of thought hold on <laughs> <laughs> you mean your your thought chain your thought blockchain my thought there? chain yeah i completely <laughs> lost my thought chain how immersed we are in the virtual world because that will drive how much value these nfts have because they really are kind of living virtually and then also how can we connect this idea of non-fungible tokens to things in the physical world because honestly, wouldn't it be great if we knew something was a Picasso and we can verify it almost right away? Yeah, I like, think like that's Pond. what the end of, what's it? That would basically take all the appeal out of the show Pawn Stars, but that would be awesome because there would be, never be any hesitancy about buying anything on eBay, right? Yeah, yeah, you could verify it. For example, and I, I saw this the other day, there's a platform that attaches or mints an NFT for 
rare brandies and liqueurs. So let's say there's only a hundred of this type of hundred year old brandy out there. You can mint an NFT, which is great, right? Cause you could see the ownership of that. But what happens if that bottle gets destroyed or someone drinks it? Then it doesn't matter if you have the NFT for that, right? You know, Oh man, I you know I when I think about it because we're, you, you're talking about applications of NFTs, I really think that's the only way they survive is if there's a way to tie it to the physical world. Because I think I don't think I'm the only human that that struggles with defining the abstract. Because like we like tangible things as humans, and like like it 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 is really clear to me if I have a car, I have a title. I can look up that title on this blockchain and the, the title information on the blockchain could be purely digital, super duper easy. I understand that hundred percent. But if it's like some obscure rights to like some specific copy of this digital thing that existed once on this one site, but then that site goes down or then it lives on in the internet archives. Like I, I lose complete sense of like my orientation in the universe. Well, and, and that's, that's the point of the virtual universe, like virtual reality. Like you said, it has to be something that is that we're, we all buy into for NFTs to make sense. Because like you said, if I buy an NFT in a, for a digital asset that ultimately goes nowhere, I mean, it's worthless. Like I just flush money down the toilet, right? You know, I know we're not talking about like the online metaverse or oasis or whatever right now, but I can't help but wonder like when we do get to a place where like supposedly we all have a VR rig at home and we're living online, do you think like obviously it's going to evolve with time. I wonder if it's going to be like, okay, here's the, the, the playground essentially where you can spend your time as it changes. Is it going to be like expanding the playground to be bigger? Or is it going to be like we upgrade the playground and therefore like you can't revisit the old version of the playground? I bet you it's more of the former. So it's like you could be in this online universe and sure this is only tangentially applied to the NFTs or whatever, but it's like if I want to take a stroll back through history, I could go back to like web 2.0 and see what it's like in that section of the oasis or the the metaverse where it's just like (laughs) wikipedia articles blogs it's an exciting world that we are living in let me tell you it's very abstract though too i mean yeah you can't touch crypto you can't touch an nft you can't touch any of the digital assets that you buy with it does that make you nervous like using your fully evolved brain like my lizard brain is like oh god that's terrifying someone could steal it from me really easily but like using your the, the front part of your brain like what it, does that scare you because it scares me that i can't touch it yeah like i mean i guess it's just like you know money in your bank account essentially these days because it's it's just like venmo transactions but like if i wanted to go to the bank and get all my money out as cash I could, I guess. Sometimes it's really weird about that. But I guess I could if I wanted to. Like, theoretically, I could go get my whole net, my whole 
net worth, make it liquid, and have like a big stack of cash. Maybe not a big stack, a relatively <laughs> non-zero stack of cash. <laughs> but like with Bitcoin, like what do you have? Like nothing. Like it's just ether. Yeah, I mean, but in essence, you could say the same thing with paper money, right? Maybe that's when people were switching over to paper currency and paper money that wasn't gold or minted in silver or gold. Maybe they had the same issue. It's like it's paper. Like it's basically worthless. It's only the value that we attribute to it that makes it valuable. I can't do anything with it. I can't eat it. Same thing with Bitcoin. I mean, to to our mind, it's like, well, we can't do anything with it. It's only as valuable as the value that we attribute to it. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's okay. So, oh, man. So, when I when I look at it, I'm like, okay, Bitcoin, I think, or, or one of the... I feel like Bitcoin is going to be the replacement for cash, eventually. I, it just seems like that's the way the world's headed. And then... Ethereum, I don't think has. To, I don't think one has to win or lose. I think Ethereum, because of its contract functionality, will continue to persist, but just for different purposes. It won't be for currency, in the, in the same way. Like it won't replace cash. And then NFTs is more like collecting things. Like you buy things on eBay to collect them. You know, maybe you hope the asset goes up in price so you can sell it, or maybe you just hold on to it because you want to collect it. Like Jack Dorsey's first tweet. What? Right. So like the look, if we look forward, like it, I don't know what, what will be the tipping point between when we switch from cash to Bitcoin, for example, but like, let's say we're 30 years in the future. We're, uh, we're running around town in our space boots and it's just like, okay, we got our Bitcoin. I don't know if they know enough. They look back on the 1970s and they're like, man, huge mistake. Or they have some strong opinion about Richard Nixon taking like the U.S. dollar off of the gold standard. Yeah. So this could be like there could be some inflection point in the near future where we go off the fiat currency cash standard and go to this digital standard. And I wonder what we'll what we'll say about that if we'll be like, man, great decision. Because I guess I know I'm getting really weird here, but it's like we went. There's a set amount of gold in the world, right? And you can dig up the gold. You can theoretically find more gold in the ground, dig it up. But there's a set amount because mm-hmm. there's no alchemists out there. When we switch to a fiat currency, which is the paper money, there is no limit, right? You can print as much as you want. But if we go to Bitcoin again, there is a set amount of Bitcoin. There's a ceiling. So it's almost like, like to me, that's not, you know, maybe I'm talking myself into it, but that actually sounds like a good change because it puts a cap on inflation, for example, theoretically. I'm not an economist, but it suggests to me that it would, right? I think that brings up a different topic entirely, which is, you know, gold-backed currency versus just paper currency or a finite resource-backed currency and one that's not. And there's two arguments to both. I actually went down this rabbit hole a while ago, Um, but we can talk about that separately. I wanted to ask you why you think bitcoin is the future because in my mind i don't see it that way i think that governments already i mean central banks already looking at making their own version 
or their own cryptocurrency, if you will, that they can control. I, to me, okay. to to me, Bitcoin is very speculative, and it's only as valuable as what you can buy things with. And at this point, it's really hard to purchase things with Bitcoin. Like, what if you have Bitcoin? What can you theoretically purchase? You can I could probably buy NFTs. I could probably buy a kidney on the black market. But <laughs> Maybe other than a kidney that, on the black market, right? Other than that, I'm not sure. But like, and at one point you could buy a Tesla, but then Elon said you couldn't buy a Tesla with it, and then the price of Bitcoin just dropped precipitously. You know, it's a really good point because, like, for example, Dogecoin has almost no practical use. I think you can buy Mavs tickets with it, which is pretty cool, but uh, <laughs> you you can't really do anything with it. I want to I want to go back to what you were saying about government controlled cryptocurrencies because I think that's really interesting for a couple of reasons. One, it goes completely against the idea of Bitcoin because it's centralized, and two, yep. I know we were going down like the fiat non fiat rabbit hole for a second and also i'll keep this brief you know when the u.s gets into a debt situation and we have we have to create money to get out of it we can do that we have that flexibility i was reading a little bit recently about how like greece has been a country that's had a lot of trouble with debt recently and the reason greece can't get out of that debt in the same way that the u.s can get out of that debt is because greece is in the eurozone or whatever i forget what they're called and Mm -hmm. because it's a century it's a it's a currency that they do not control. They do not have the ability to print their own money to get themselves out of debt. So therefore they are locked in because of that system. And that is so fascinating to me. I just would love to like <laughs> deep dive into that because like on the one hand, it's like, Oh man, printing money is horrible. It's going to drive up inflation, but like the alternative where we couldn't do it, it's just like, well, shit, we're screwed. We have to like actually generate value for ourselves to get people to give us money as a country. Yeah. 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 I don't like this is a variety show, right? So like it's just you and I having a conversation. We're curious. So we're going down these different rabbit holes. Like, let me ask you this. Has this research discussion around NFTs, Bitcoin, blockchain, all this yada yada yada? Has it made you more curious to look into this stuff more or has it sparked any other ideas in your mind? So yes and no. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I think when I was first introduced to blockchain and I was, I hung out with a lot of software developers and they were all into the blockchain and cryptocurrency and they were talking about it. My first thought was the thought that I told you, which is its only value is in what you could use to buy it, right? Buy things right, with, right, or right. what you, you can use to use it with, right? And that's universal for anything. Like I can, you could sell a, my, my econ teacher would say, you could go out and you can pick up cow poop and you can sell cow poop, right? Like cow chips. But if people don't see any value in you selling cow chips or cow poop, then you're not going to get a lot of money for it, right? Oh, yeah, and you're probably going to stop. Yeah, okay. So my, my first thought with cryptocurrency went way back when was like, you know, this is only going to go somewhere if people start using it, right? If I can 
go down to my grocery store and buy my groceries with it. Otherwise, it's worthless. And all of this pricing, this blow up in pricing is all speculative. Uh, but then the other idea I had was if it's tamper proof, wouldn't this be a great concept for tracking things? For example, you know, all of those, those farm to table things, right? Yeah. Those farm, farm to table, to table advertisements or like the fish has been harvested most properly. This shipment has been harvested properly. Why don't you apply the blockchain to that? Because it's tamper proof, right? You can basically have a manifest of everywhere it's been and attach it to said, I don't know, um, shipment, right? You can have a shipment that has a private key, public key, and then track it. And everywhere it goes, you can just track it so you can know exactly where it's been. And it's tamper proof. I can't go in as a dealer and say, oh, these... These, these salmon actually came from sustainably harvested when they were just like taken out from an overfished market. Does that make sense? Yes. So to me, blockchain, the idea of blockchain, the fact that it's tamper proof has great applications in tracking things um, and peer to peer transactions, but not so much currency unless the entire world decides or entire world or a country decides like I'm going to adopt Bitcoin or this particular currency and I will now you can now buy and trade services based off this currency. So you think um, someone needs like some country would need to step up and make it official? I mean they, they have I think was it Colombia says that they are now taking Bitcoin throughout their entire country. I think I saw something like that. I was just about to look it up. At least one country has, and it, it makes sense yeah. that it would be a, a smaller one instead of one of the like mega economies yeah. because they, there's fringe benefits right now, a lot of upside potentially, and they can so, take those risks. I mean, that country, but that <laughs> I think the reason why that country decided to is because their actual currency that they have that's backed by their central bank is terrible <laughs> the inflation i mean they're, they're not able to control the value the value changes date more rapidly day to day than bitcoin does i want to hear more about that you got to give me that link to where i can buy the nft of your face <laughs> i think that's my biggest takeaway from this conversation yeah not proof of stake as in cow steak that's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> i so, actually want I, I wanted to ask you something okay. that's brought my attention from this conversation do you see yourself moving more into getting more invested in cryptocurrency and nfts after this conversation my stance would be any portfolio should be diversified and because crypto is another asset class i think there is value in having some money there so i have a portion of my portfolio allocated there i consider it I keep it as a very small fraction, like nothing that I can't afford to lose because it is so volatile and there's no reason it couldn't just go to zero one day. Mm -hmm. It's not trendy necessarily, but like there could be something that could, some innovation that could come and replace it. 
the NFT side of things, I have not dabbled in at all. My concern on that one is it is even less legitimized. It's less established. It's really trendy. Seems like you're always hearing about a different one. I, I love the idea of minting them. And I love the idea of using them or purchasing them to support creators that I like. So there is this slim chance that I do that, particularly for small creators. I'm not going to buy a Disney NFT, I don't think. But I might buy an NFT if a Twitch creator that I like creates one because that's kind of cool and it benefits them rather than just giving them like a tip or whatever. I would get something in return, which I, which is kind of neat. I will not do any kind of like speculative trading with NFTs though. I'm not interested in collecting them for that purpose and I consider that far too risky at this point based on what I know today. What about you? Yeah, I'm still not sold on the whole crypto. I dabbled with it because I was kind of curious. I had done a lot of research on it, so I just put a little but I'm in the same boat as you are where I only put in as much as I was willing to lose because I use that the price varies day to day so rapidly and it's very speculative. With NFTs, I don't foresee myself purchasing anything anytime soon. I would be curious to mint one. Maybe we can mint a variety show with Michael and Robert NFT. I think that would be really cool. <laughs> we we could do the logo. That would be that would be yeah. dope. Why don't why don't we do that? We should do that. And then we, we could mint our first tweet. I don't know how hard or expensive it is to do this. We could do it. Uh, so, the, so you, you do have to pay a gas tax. So a gas tax is, it's basically the fee that is needed to mint an NFT. Okay. Is it a lot? It depends. Okay. Tell me more. Uh, I don't know what it depends on, but I, I think it depends on... It varies. The gas tax is never exactly the same. It's in a range where we, we would definitely do it for the podcast, though, right? At least for one? I think so. Yeah, I think so. We can okay. do it on OpenSea.io. And I can we, we can put both the links. We can put the link where my face is in it, and we can put the link that to our NFT. Okay. Yeah, we'll get on the blockchain. I think that's really cool. So anybody who's listening... Check that out in the show notes. We will get it on there. Maybe not right away, but it will be on there within a few days of us getting this posted for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. That's so cool. I didn't, I would never would have thought of that. That's a great idea. And I don't <laughs> expect anybody to buy it, but still, it's just cool. It, it is like, it just, it's like buying one of those like stupid paved rocks at like a university with your name on it the year you graduated. Dumb. <laughs> yeah. But like like what they do at the University of Arkansas where they print every single graduate's name, like so dumb, mm-hmm. but also like so cool. <laughs> you can go back and you can be like, this was me. I think this one is dedicated to me. That's that's neat. Yeah, you don't. The cool thing is it comes with all your tuition dollars, so you don't have to pay extra for it. I'm actually up there. So you, do you have anything else to say on this topic? No, I think we we pretty much beat it to death. <laughs> it is to to all the listeners out there. It is 
very abstract. And I would highly suggest anyone who's interested to check out some of the videos that we're going to link and try the visual demos. There is a really cool web app that you can use to explore blockchain. And that really, being able to play with something really helps you understand some, this concept. I think, yeah, I, th I agree with that. And this stuff's, I really don't, like maybe the NFTs, who knows, but I, I don't think the crypto stuff's going to go anywhere. It's only going to evolve. And, you know, it'll be, it'll be five years before they have classes on this stuff in university. So as with anything, when it comes to learning, my stance is becoming more and more like just tinker with it, mess around with it, look up some YouTube videos and take control of educating yourself mm -hmm. because that's the best way to learn. Yeah. And find a buddy to talk it over with. Yeah. I'm really grateful for you, Robert. Everybody should know that. So we're keeping <laughs> that in. We're keeping that in. Okay. So, all right, let's 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 take it out here. Any more, any closing thoughts on the NFT piece, real quick? Anything else you want to say? We beat it to death. Any like posthumous remarks? Nope. So, if people want to connect with us, how can they do that, Robert? Well, we have a Twitter handle. You can. What's the tweet again? What's our handle again, Michael? <laughs> yeah, we're still working on getting pretty active on there. I think we have a grand total of one or two followers. You can find us at Variety Show Pod. At Variety Show Pod. Awesome. And feel free to leave us feedback there as well. We also have, and we are actually recording this podcast on an app called Anchor. You can actually leave us a message, a voicemail message for us, and we'll listen to those as well. It could be a rant on how long this podcast was or that yeah. how we didn't understand it, didn't understand crypto completely. But we are open to hearing your feedback and connecting with you. Yeah, and we reserve the right to play those on the podcast if, we <laughs> if you'd like us to. So whether it's questions, remarks, comments, whatever, just say your name and maybe whatever other information you feel comfortable with. Like if you're if you're Robert from the USA, and then uh, get right into it. In addition to that, one thing we really are grateful for is if you have taken the time to listen to us and you're enjoying this, or you know, even if you're hating on it, go on to your favorite podcast review platform, whether it's Apple, whether it's Spotify, and leave us some kind of review. We really do appreciate it. Like everyone, whenever they're talking about growing these things, their their first thought always goes to money. I don't think Robert and I care about that at all at this point. We're just interested in having great conversations with each other and putting them out there in the world so that other people might enjoy, benefit, or maybe even learn something from them. It, it doesn't make much difference to me whether or not this becomes anything that's a has any kind of like financial engine associated with it. What's really cool to me is like making an impact on the people who listen, however small it is spending the time together and building like a little network community, whatever is just like so cool to me. And so like very appreciative of you listening. And if you want to share the love, go on there, leave a review, let us know what you think. Well said. Well said. 
a little rambly. That... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe this whole podcast was a little rambling, but with that, I think I'm going to sign off. All right, Robert. Well, for everybody listening, this has been the Variety Show with Michael and Robert. As you know, I've been Michael. And I've been Robert. All right, everybody. See you next time. Stay curious. Hey, everybody. One quick thought before we exit. Right after the outro music that you're used to hearing at this point, if you've joined us here before, Robert and I are going to stay on the line for our after party of sorts where we talk about this episode in a meta sense. What worked, what didn't work, what would we like to do in the future? Stick around if you're interested. Bye-bye. Thank you.